0: This is the Oanda Podcast. This is the Oanda Market Insights Podcast, talking to Oanda senior market analysts across the globe, and today I'm joined by Craig Earlham in London. Good afternoon, Craig. How are you doing? Very good.
1: How are you? Very good,
0: thanks. It's been a bit of an up and down week for markets, has it not?
1: Yeah, it's been a bit choppy. I think that's quite clear. It does seem that there are some nerves kicking in we obviously had it a couple of weeks ago on that monday evergrande uh was starting to be talked about as the layman moment by friday it was forgotten about the following week then all of a sudden you're talking about other risk we're talking about inflation a lot more we're talking about energy crises we're seeing people queuing at petrol pumps Uh, and and all of a sudden it just seems to have affected the mood in the markets and probably rightfully so i mean it's something that we've been writing about for a number of weeks now which is that markets seem to be blissfully ignoring growing risks for the economy and the markets. And not just ordinary risks, there's always risks. Uh, We've talked about that many times in the past. What makes this different is that there's a growing number of risks when Central banks, the backstops, the entities that have given investors so much confidence to keep buying these dips, um, are pulling back. They are tapering or talking of tapering asset purchases in November. They are talking about rate hikes. Not that long after, from the Bank of England's perspective, the markets are now pricing in three interest rate hikes by the end of next year. So it, the the backdrop to these risks is what is very different. Uh, And I think that's something that the markets have underappreciated until now. And we're going into a very uncertain period. And I think maybe uh, the the things have just caught up a little bit, and things have turned. The sentiment has softened somewhat. We'll see if it continues or if the buy the dip mentality just kicks back in. But I think the next few months could be a little bit uneasy.
0: Yes, particularly when you think there's very few analysts out there who don't expect us to have big hikes in inflation and all the repercussions of the rising cost of living that go with that. It could be quite a tumultuous period we're about to enter.
1: Well, when central banks are telling you one thing and but indicating another, they're almost undermining their own message. So to say they think inflation is transitory. But we're going to raise interest rates even though the economy soft, even though growth is slowing, even though risks are rising, we're still going to raise interest rates. The messages don't really align and policymakers are making noises now that suggest that they're not as confident as they were that it's entirely transitory that they are a little concerned about second round and third round effects of these supply side issues and this is supply driven inflation don't get me wrong but it is obviously going to have a knock-on effect is it going to have a knock-on effect for example in higher salaries for different industries for truck drivers for example in other areas where we are seeing labor shortages and what knock-on effect does that have is it going to have an effect on higher prices because input prices are higher so commodity prices are higher um, we're seeing obviously uh, supply shortages bottlenecks um, all these things which are pushing up input prices which have to be passed on somewhere and have to be absorbed somewhere if they're now being passed on to end consumers at a time when certain wages are rising because of uh, a shortage of uh, skilled workers to fill those roles is this ultimately going to f- filter down to inflation expectations on households and therefore actually start to have a more considerable effect and this is what central banks are Seemingly asking themselves a lot more now the belief has always been or has been for quite a long time that even when we do see Spikes in the inflation data inflation expectations in households always still remains quite low and then those transitory Inflationary pressures do pass well central banks don't seem to be quite as confident this time you can understand why but when you're telling people one thing and then you're seemingly happy with markets pricing in two or three rate hikes over the course of a 12 to 24 month period the messages just don't align and when you're seeing the growing number of risks to the economy and we almost don't talk almost about covid anymore even though it's still a very apparent thing we're going into the winter months when we could see cases spike and we may not be quite so fortunate with the link between uh, hospitalizations and fatalities we've the link links been very positive uh, in the uk not so uh, so much uh, in other countries but the link's been very positive in the uk but that could change and another variant could uh, really um could really shake things up as well and that's just one potential downside risks going into the next few months the uk seems to have more than uh, more than most the energy crisis is going to be worse for the uk because the supply in the UK is worse because we are not just dealing with higher natural gas prices and higher coal prices, higher uh, uh, oil prices now, but also we are uh, seeing the the supply effects from, from from Norway. We're seeing the 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 supply that normally comes via France because of uh, fires uh, being cut. We're seeing uh, the wind turbines are uh, generating less because of lower winds. all of these things are culminating in prices in the UK being much higher than many other countries and that's going to make the crisis worse here on top of that we've seen the furlough scheme come to a close yesterday we saw the top up on, on universal credit is being removed at the same time also we are still seeing kind of latent Brexit issues as well we've got the uh, national insurance tax rise um, early on next year and they're just naming things off the top of my head the, the UK in particular is facing quite significant headwinds which is why we are seeing what we're seeing in the pound right now the pound has bounced back today but ultimately it's been on quite a significant downward trend recently that's very unusual when you're pricing in central banks raising interest rates not just raising interest rates but raising interest rates much more than other central banks that is almost behavior akin to what you see in emerging market currencies and i'm not necessarily saying that the pound is behaving like an emerging market currency but that is the type of behavior we see because it means that central banks are almost raising interest rates for the wrong reasons and compounding the issues within the economy. So that's a bit of a worrying sign that we're seeing in the markets right now.
0: Let's talk about the United States for a few moments, uh, Craig. And President Biden has signed into law a temporary measure to keep the government funded until early December and avoid yet another federal shutdown. However, a separate vote on President Biden's massive $1 trillion infrastructure bill was postponed. Why did that happen?
1: It's happened because progressives within the Democratic Party want to tie um, that bill to... to the much larger spending uh, package that the democrats are trying to put together right now so by keeping them close together they're effectively think they're going to be aiding the passage of the much larger spending and taxation bill that they want to get through congress which isn't going to have any Republican support. So it's more of a political maneuver really than it is anything else. This infrastructure package is going to get over the line. It's just a case of when rather than if. The greater issue almost facing US Congress right now is the debt ceiling. So they averted a government shutdown yesterday evening. They Kick the can down the road to early December, and now they have the pressing issue, which is the debt ceiling, which comes to a head in a little over two weeks' time. Now, at that point, that's when the government effectively runs out of money and could potentially, in theory, default on its debt. Now, that's very, very unlikely to happen extraordinarily unlikely to happen uh, a deal will be reached of some kind but the again this is political uh, brinkmanship that we're seeing uh in, in washington we're seeing the republicans saying if you want to extend the debt ceiling then you're going to have to do that yourselves and you know how you can do it the democrats want to uh do it in a way that is by part bipartisan which isn't effectively just shouldering the burden and the blame themselves uh, but also uh, as Uh, senate majority leader chuck schumer says they don't want to take the risk uh, of doing it in a manner that could take two or three weeks uh and be uh, prone to being slowed down and leave them in an extremely risky position closer to the time so again there's there's a lot of political gamesmanship effectively happening in washington right now we see it all the time we have done for so many years at this point we're very used to it so the markets aren't really pricing in Uh, a considerable amount of risk with regards this but don't get me wrong if the closer we get to the 18th of october if we're still talking about debt ceilings and we're still talking about issues there and the republicans are standing firm and refusing to be a part of raising the debt ceiling then that may quickly change but right now the markets aren't pricing in a huge amount of risk it's just one of many things on the list really
0: Okay, let's talk Bitcoin now, which has extended gains today, climbing over 9% in trade to just short of $48,000. That's its highest level in 12 days.
1: So, Bitcoin had been consolidating really for quite a considerable period of time, and this came after we 'd already seen signs that it was looking to correct itself a uh, correction because we 'd seen such a strong rally. But then it consolidated over a number of weeks, which started to cast a little bit of doubt on that that it finally did break below forty four forty five thousand dollars, which appeared to move it into correction territory supported itself around 40,000 and we saw that tested on a few occasions and we kept seeing uh, Bitcoin balls uh, continuing to come in and support that level drive it on higher and uh, maybe they were waiting for one of their own uh, one of their a uh, certain uh, outspoken entrepreneur to come out and say something to 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 kind of to get things moving again to get cryptos rallying again as he has many times Uh, in the past and just holding the fort until that could happen Uh, and instead they didn't need to wait for him at all now some have speculated that it may have been a comment from Jerome Powell yesterday suggesting that they have no intention of banning cryptocurrencies as we've seen in China uh, this last couple of weeks and then we've seen obviously a crackdown on uh, cryptocurrencies many times um, from the Chinese authorities over the last couple of years so some of it, uh, put it down to that I mean I think that's almost just an excuse. I think that's just a kind of the uh, an excuse for uh, people who want to buy buying and effectively forcing price back above forty five thousand and as soon as we saw forty five thousand break the move from forty five to forty seven was really really aggressive, clearly a massive area there where as soon as it broke, we saw the buyers pile back in and what that means is we've effectively broken back out of correction territory still got a couple of hurdles to overcome around 48,000 if we break above there then 50,000 and all of a sudden then correction's gone and we're it's a case of how high can it go but today was a massive move and it was a really significant move I think as well because 45,000 have been holding to the upside 40,000 below and it really was a case of which one breaks first and that could be really indicative of what to come and 45,000 is broken first it didn't take the said entrepreneur to to get things moving again uh and instead it was uh cryptocurrencies or the pal jerome powell who allegedly got the market all excited again
0: okay let's talk about the week ahead now what are the standout moments you're expecting on both sides of the atlantic as well as asia pacific
1: there's a couple of things of note really next week one is that china's on holiday all week from today so uh they're back friday i think so we there is going to be um an element of quietness uh, as a result of that with the markets obviously not being open there but that almost poses a risk as well when we've still got an unresolved evergrand situation this week they missed their second uh debt uh coupon payment um uh, offshore uh i think around 47 and a half million dollars this time around on top of i think of something around 87 million dollars the week before so um, while the 30-day 30 grace period does give the company time, uh, th- I do think there is going to be a little bit of nervousness over the course of the next week that something could uh, happen there at a time when the markets are closed and China's on holiday. So I think that's one uh, risk that we need to be almost aware of over the course of the next week, even if it's not a particular event per se um the one that stands out for me next week the event that stands up for me next week is the opec meeting jmmc meeting earlier on in the week Uh, we've got oil prices which are approaching eight 80 a barrel now people talking about the prospect of 90 dollars a barrel 100 a barrel because of the movements that we are seeing in the energy markets and the fact that it's not just natural gas prices are rising even though that's where we are seeing the biggest moves but we are also seeing coal prices rising we're seeing uh, now oil prices rising carbon credit prices rising all of these as a result of uh, of what we've seen in the natural gas market opec and its allies have a dilemma on their hands on the one hand they've committed to increasing output by 400,000 barrels a day per month between now and the end of next year until uh, supply moves back to levels last seen before the pandemic. And uh, they've been reluctant to increase that despite pressure from the White House last month when it was trading around 70, $75 a barrel. Ordinarily, they may be perfectly happy with oil around $80 a barrel and if anything, even pleased after, um, after so many months of oil trading at unprofitable levels but the worry for the markets right now is that at these least uh, given the situation we have right now if we do see oil prices start to surge to 90 100 and plus then all of a sudden it's not just um it, it's not just a risk for the markets it, we're talking about um a risk for the global recovery uh, because we're already seeing price rises right left and center throw into that uh, a fuel crisis and um an oil price crisis and all of a sudden opec has a real and, and their allies have a real problem on their hands and so it there's i imagine there's going to be debates next week weighing the upsides of oil, oil around these levels versus the risks of it continuing to go higher if they don't do anything my gut says that while they'll discuss a few different scenarios i think they'll hold for now but remain ready to uh, increase output should the price continue to rise quite rapidly and even potentially raise output in between meetings if need be while holding at the current levels that's my gut feeling right now but of course that could uh, very much change as we've seen these markets are moving so fast right now that um i think many of these uh, bodies and many of these groups are going to have to remain extremely flexible and that includes opec plus and it also includes central banks it's going
0: to be a very interesting week to come craig thanks very much for joining us today have a great
1: weekend thank you you too The Oanda Podcast.